Hey guys, welcome back. This is Courtsahee, Courtsahee.com, and today we're coming out with another podcast episode, and I just realized the Summer League was going on. Like, who in the world watches the Summer League? Like, who actually says to themselves, oh, the Summer League is on, let me stop what I'm doing. Now, I've watched the Summer League game uh, a few days before. I think it was like the Memphis Grizzlies against someone, I can't remember who. But yeah, I was just thinking to myself, I'm like, I know I should be covering this summer league, but like the Olympics, I, I, I'll i tweet about it. That's pretty much it. I don't know. I'm not a big Olympic fan, nor my big summer league fan. All I know is summer league ends in the next few days, and we have less than three months till the NBA season returns. So with all that being said, we have some really good topics I've came out of this, I don't know how I came up with this, but I've come up with something really cool, we're going to be taking two teams each and every day, and we're going to be observing your entire offseason, um, now, we're going to see what what was pretty much taught to us from this offseason, like, what did we learn, and the two teams are going to be not that shocking, but also something that's going to really open up your eyes. Because when I went through these two teams, I'm like, wow. Um, I was not I was not thinking about that. I heard about it. I heard about all of the rumors that were going on. I heard about all the reports around the organization, their plans, and how people feel about it. For sure. But I was like, wow. What do these two teams do and is going to work? But first, before we get into the breaking news side of it, then that heavy topic, let's talk about social media, as you can find us anywhere, but of course you can find us on the main website, which is courtsideheat.com, that is courtsideheat.com, you can get long form articles, short form articles, and anything in between, you can get from breaking news to in-depth stories on teams, Events that have happened in NBA history, players. We came out of an article a while ago breaking down um, the rise and fall of Andrew Wiggins. Who exactly is Jason Tatum in the height of his excitement? I believe two seasons ago, right? We've also broken down uh, Lakers teams. We've broken down the Phoenix Suns journey through the... Playoffs for the 2019 seasons for their bubble journey and just different things like that. So it's really cool. And as, as things go, that is the website. If you like seeing medium content, we're posting more medium. So just go to courtsideheat.medium.com. Again, that is courtsideheat.medium.com. And as always, you can find us on Twitter.com slash Courtsideheat, Instagram.com slash CourtsideHeatNBA, Facebook.com slash CourtsideHeat, Tumblr.com slash CourtsideHeat, and wherever else you get your uh, get your um, uh, content stuff from, from social media. As always, as you're listening to the podcast right now, you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And without further ado, let's get um, right into it. Because that's pretty much all my announcements. I know two days ago, I was talking about some of the changes that was going to happen to the website and whatnot. Oh, uh, before I forget, go to courtsaheat.com. 
draw and it's the link's gonna be down here below i'll add it in um go down to our uh apparel go down to our clothing shop and we're adding so many new t uh t-shirts and designs featuring dennis schroeder um something really funny about him turning it down almost over 70 million dollars we have all these cool graphic t-shirts we have hats about team usa so yeah go check it out as it's really really exciting and remember i'll keep the link down for that and of course for our exclusive content our exclusive memberships right i'll have the links for that down below as well and now work if you're on google podcast soundcloud itunes spotify um and wherever i see your podcast so i think that was the final announcement i had to make running for social media of course and without further ado let's jump right into the breaking news so here we go real quick um kyle corver i believe he played in nba for 17 18 years he was a one-time all-star right he's fourth on the list for all-time made freeze so that's a huge accomplishment right but now he's turning away from playing the game of basketball to coaching the game of basketball as he's joining the Brooklyn Nets coaching staff as a player development assistant coach, right, on head coach Steve Nash's staff, right, pretty much. So he's going to be one of the assistant coaches, but his main role, his main role is going to be a player development coach. To me... That would probably be the best thing for him. I'm not just saying that, but he's a player. He understands that in the end, he's more of an offensive player. He's got some good defensive traits into him, but especially the team, especially the culture that the Nets are building around trying to work, it's more of a shooting team. It's more of an offensive motive team, if that makes sense. So for them to get Kyle Korver, I think it's a perfect opportunity. Plus, I didn't expect someone to pay Kyle Korver another year's salary because I think his time is up and it's time for him to transition to a heck into a assistant coaching role, right? Um, okay, so this one's a little funny. Um, J.R. Smith. Like when you think of J.R. Smith, there's many things that can go um into your mind that can just pop up out of nowhere. Like his NBA Finals, really bad NBA Finals moment where he was so confused. And I don't think he was confused. I think he was on something. <laughs> Jai, he had the ball. They had a chance that so they missed a free throw. They got back the ball. And instead of kicking it out to LeBron or anyone else on that on that good basketball team, he took it out half he took it on half court. And he saw that they were winning, but they were losing. So come two seconds, they had to heave up. Uh, they had to heave something up, and ultimately that was a series that they lost to the Warriors. But long story short, he thought they were winning. They were not. They were down by a point or two. And instead of taking a good step shot, uh, Jer Smith cost them the game. Or all of the incidents outside the NBA, or just how. J.R. Smith reacts to anything, right? I don't know. I, I was never a big fan of J.R. Smith. I believe when he was with the Nuggets. Was he with the Nuggets? I know he was with the um, 
with LeBron for some time. I know he was with the Lakers, right? LeBron recruited him. Uh, I'm looking. I, I really never followed the career, per se, of Jared Smith. But, yeah, he was with Denver. Then he was with the Knicks. But he started out with the Pelicans. But, yeah, majority of his career was spent with Cleveland and Denver. What? He's been in the league for 5, 10, 14 17 years? For 17 seasons. Really? This man. People call him Jer Swish. And he's been here for 17 years. Well, you learn something new every single day. It appears to be that way. But getting back to what we're talking about. Jer Smith is putting a hold. Just ending his NBA career. And is going back to school. If getting permission by the NBA. To start his golfing career. Um, yes, you heard me right. He wants to go pro with golfing. He wants to be in the PGA. Not even kidding. Um, he's majoring in something to go start his golfing career. Um, after 17 years in the NBA, he's not formally retired, I don't think. But he's now wanting to go be a golf star. He wants to be a golf pro. So he's going to start taking training lessons on that. And depending how it goes, you could see him on the green um, professionally sometime. I would love to see JR try to golf. I, I don't know. Because it's not like we see like one of those like charity events, which is one of those golfing events to where uh, we see basketball players, football players play golf like Larry Fitzgerald, uh, Stephen Curry, different guys like that. And the only time I actually seen Stephen Curry get professional with it is with his um is with ABC's I believe it's ABC's a uh, Holy Moly TV show. It's like a game show, but it's like really funny, it's like mini golf tournament and whatnot. That's the only time I've seen Stephen Curry really golf when he's on there, right? So it's not comedy. He actually wants to do that. So I thought that was pretty funny. I actually did not think that ever he was going to do that. I didn't even know golf was something he wanted to do. But in the line of professions, I guess that's something he can do. Um, but moving on from that, but I don't know. I'm trying to wrap my head around this because yesterday I found this out. And I'm like, okay, he's going to be a golf pro or he's going to be a golfing beginner, right? But no. Um, he's going to try to go pro for this and take classes. So I'll keep you guys updated on that. And I'm pretty sure majority of you guys listening have heard about this. If not, I'm sorry that I brought this up because I, I don't know what to say to it. I don't know how you react to this unless you like J.R. Smith. But who really likes J.R. Smith? Like, truly. But yeah, get moving on. So... Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas, we talked about him. We talked about how he dropped 40, um, 81 point, uh, I'm sorry, had an 81 point game in the Pro-Am League um, game, right? I believe he goes to the crossover. I want to say it's been heavily promoted, created by Jamal Crawford, but I can't remember. So don't quote me on that, but he scored 81, point, uh, 81 points in a Pro-Am game. Now... The Lakers have been interested to get the 32-year-old guard 
back into the NBA after having a two-year absence. Because no one's going to count the 2020 season when he only played three games. And that was just a very short-lived uh, season for him, right? He was working off of 10-day contracts. But now, Isaiah Thomas, confirmed by him, has revealed that he's been talking to four teams. And the one known team is the Los Angeles Lakers. Look, who are their free teams? I don't believe Isaiah Thomas at this point in his career is a starter. Who knows? Because there to me is a difference between pro-am leagues and the NBA. It's like college. You could be one to... Okay, fine, take... Um, I think... Uh, who, uh, who? Andrew Wiggins. Let's take Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins is a great example. He was called the Canadian version of Michael Jordan. And that is not an exaggeration. And he just never panned out to be anything really that fulfilling. What he was having those high um, expectations in college, right? I also believe to a certain extent that Christian Lehner can be that way. Um, great great ba- uh, college basketball player. Just was okay in the NBA, right? And you can say he made a dream team and all. And I believe he was a great, I think he was a good basketball player, but in terms of college and then the NBA, it could, you could say it goes sideways, right? And there's all these different, uh, all these different players, right? We just never know how players are going to transition from college level to the NBA level because take, um, take some of the builds in this year's draft class. No, take Lamelo Ball, for instance. He was, um, no, even a better one. Giannis. Who remembers him when he got drafted? He was scrawny. No muscle. Not what he was, not, he, not what he is today. But if you look at a photo of him, he's scrawny. You wouldn't think he'll get by as a 15th overall pick, right? The Bucks took a chance on him. Everyone was taking a chance on him because they didn't know how he was going to perform. But we don't know. The build, because the build of somebody in college is not going to be a 32-year-old man, right? Meaning, when you have to defend yourself against um, all these different players like Stephen Curry, LeBron James, um, Clay Thompson, Devin Booker, all these different players, uh, Zion Williamson, they have muscle. They have more... Um, definition to their game, I think, would be something good. Because what I'm trying to say is that when you look at a guy, one guy's more experienced than being on more in the NBA than they have at college. It's more physical. It's more intense. It's more mentally draining in the NBA just because of how much force there's, how much competition there is, right? But for Isaiah Thomas, and I'm not, I'm not discrediting one minute of his 81-point game. To score 81 points in the game, that's actually a record. That is amazing, and that's a huge accomplishment. But how would he fare in the NBA? And that's always going to be something in someone's mind. Because they know how good he is, but is his body going to stay up for an entire season? And if they make it into the postseason, whether that's just in the playing tournament or actually in the postseason, how is his body going to hold up? How is his form going to hold up? How is he going to hold up mentally, right? It's taking out the physical essence of it, bringing the mental part. 
Right, and that could, that could be a daunting thing to say, you know what, we're going to sign him. And you're not going to sign him, like, for the $30 million, but give him, like, a four-year million, $4 million contract for one year. It's not bad. I just don't know. I want to see Isaiah Thomas back in here, but can he transition his skill from the pro leagues back to the NBA? And could it transition him to a starter-like um, rotation? Meaning, will he get started like minutes? Will he actually be a real starter? Will he start a game? Or will he just have starter like minutes? To, to me, honestly, the, he's a guard. So you can't put him in a point guard or shooting guard. Let's just let's go say he's a point guard. Could he be a starting point guard on some team? But who would have that need? Take the Chicago Bulls. Do they really need a point guard? No, because they have a young, healthy... Uh, Alonzo Ball, same with the Hornets, they got Lamelo Ball, same with the uh, Suns, they have Cameron Pans to back up, and they have um, Chris Paul as their starter, right, and I'm looking at the Lakers right now, who their point guard is, and that would be Russell Westbrook, right, so you, well, you could say, well, they got Red Dan Schroeder, bringing the backup. That would be acceptable because I think for Isaiah Thomas, he realizes to get a chance again, he can't be greedy. He has to say to himself, look, I can't be greedy here. I got to take what I can take and work my way back into NBA because he's only 32 years old. He has four years left in the tank, in my opinion. So if he gets another shot, which I'm praying for, that would be... That would be something. I'm not going to say it's going to be one of the greatest things ever. I'm not saying to say it's going to be amazing. All I'm saying is this. Given his talent, given his abilities on the court and in a locker room, he is special, especially for being um, smaller than the average NBA player height, than the, like, required to actually pull up a fight, right? So, for Isaiah Thomas, the height, the height is challenging, right? But he's been able to manage it throughout his entire career. We've seen him put up big games when he was with the Celtics. Big games when he was with anyone, right? Any of the teams that he was signed with during his uh, NBA career. So, I would have 100%. And I like to know the free teams, right? I would 100% give him a contract because I think he can transition from prime league to still grown adults, right? Those are growing adults, depending who's playing with, right? But then when you transition back into the NBA, I think he can because he's been in the NBA before. So he's not going from a college level like he's never been, like it's not foreign to the NBA. He knows the NBA. The NBA was a lot tougher when he was going to college, when he got into um, into the NBA, right? I'm actually going to fact check that he went to college. can't remember, but I'm pretty sure he did. I can't, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he was with the Washington Huskies for three years. But yeah, the point guard, the point guard can do it. I say give the man a shot. Just give the man a shot. But yeah, that's, that's pretty much my thing on it. I probably took you guys in different directions, but that's my, how my mind works. I just like talking everything. I mean, like, every detail out. But moving on to the other, 
Moving on, uh, moving on to the other breaking news. We got a few more pieces to talk about. We have the Lakers, one of the teams that could sign uh, Isaiah Thomas, but they also have interest in trading for James Ennis from the Orlando Magic. What would they even give up? Like draft picks? Because James Ennis, with all due respect, is not that good. He's been in the league for about six years, going on the seventh, right? I don't know. He's never been healthy. He's never played 82 games. The highest he's ever played in this season, 64. And that was back in 2016 in his second season with the Memphis Grizzlies. He's getting starter-like minutes. He played 24 minutes on average and only averaged eight points, right? Forty. He's not bad. 40... 7%. He's never been healthy. That's the problem. So you would probably give him a second rounder. He's a second rounder. Give him at least one to two draft picks, two draft picks at the latest, at the max, right? And just say, look, we know who you are. We know what position you play. You're small forward, right? Could you help us? Because you're saying he was drafted with the 50th overall pick in the draft. In the 2013 draft, James has had a battle for the law. So for the Lakers to say, you know what? Do we want to trade for him? We all have to give a few draft picks. He would be behind, um, who's their small forward? He would probably be behind Anthony Davis. He'll probably be behind Carmelo Anthony or whoever else, right? He's a small forward. He's a forward. I want to go see his height. And that's not me being weird. He's six foot seven, so he could be a small forward. He could be a power forward, right? So we can easily be um, second behind Anthony Davis, second behind Kamala Anthony. That is without question. Now, when we want to talk about his abilities on the court, James has to me is an okay, um, is an okay playing twenty four minutes. He has some good traits to him. Offensively, I would not put. I think he's more of a body use. He can puff a few shots. He will get you some spacing. He has a good pick and roll type. He can set a few screens right. Um, his defensive capabilities will be more for being a body use. To me, he's there to fill the court, be active with his feet, get good blocks. Rebounding's not bad. He averaged four rebounds per game. And if he's going to be a backup, those stats aren't bad. But averaging eight points a game, four assists per game, uh, rebounds per game, I mean, it's not bad. If you put him as a backup, I, I would give him that. He just has to stay healthy because um, when he played for Orlando from 2019 to 2020, he's still for Orlando, right? He's only played 61 games for Orlando. Go to Philly. He's only played uh, 67 games, right? Uh, go to Houston, 40 games. Detroit, 27. Memphis, he had a longer span, but he's only able to play like uh, 55. He's played like a little over 120 games right at him. And then you go down to the Pelicans, 9 games. Miami, 65. So it's like he's never played a true season except for the uh, Memphis Grizzlies. Over the three-year span. Right? So you would have to combine all three seasons just to get two seasons out of him, give or take. Right? 
not even two seasons. So it's like one of those things like, look, this is what we're dealing with. He's an injury-prone guy, but back-to-back seasons when he's played, he's put up uh, solid eight points, right? It's not bad. So as a backup, maybe. I'm not too high on James Ennis, but he is a good backup forward. And it could be a great breather for Anthony Davis or Kamala Anthony Wings when they're out. Because he certainly has the height. He has the physicality. He just needs to stay healthy and be more consistent. But if the Lakers do go out there and trade for him, it's going to be either for one or two second-round draft picks. He's not worth a first, and he's not worth a player. A second-round draft pick, to me, is what's going to be... Uh, suitable. Unless we're going to put Casas, uh, Cote, uh, Costas Antacupo or Giannis's brother out there in a trade. Just get rid of him for cap space or whatnot. I, I don't know. But time will tell on that. The Lakers are reportedly interested. There was no report saying this is going to be a done deal or they're nine tenths of the way there, five uh a uh, fifth of attempts away from that trade happening, right? There's no percentage. There's no fraction. There's really no number to put on, right? We just know that they're interested. Now, their level of being interested and their enthusiasm towards him, who knows? I also want to look at something real quick. I want to see how old he is because... The Lakers have been building a squad of just people being over 28 years old. Majority of them are in their 30 days, yeah, 31 years old. So, yeah, he's not, he, he want to be bad as a backup. So, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Speaking about trades and what teams are actually interested in trading for giving it away, right? The Boston Celtics are reportedly interested in, in trading Chris Dunn to help ease up the backcourt. Chris Dunn, I believe, was a former um, what do you call him? Miami Heat, right? Or was he with... No, he was with the Hawks. Where did I get the Miami Heat from? Chris Dunn was with the Hawks and for Chicago for some time. Um, also, again, he's injury-prone. Chris Dunn has just never panned out to be what everyone thought he was going to be, right? His first season was solid with at 78 games. The shooting was bad. Like, he, he's, he's just never panned out. Chris Dunn's an excellent guy. He went from being in college, high school, right, different things like that, trying to transition into uh, the NBA being foreign to that environment, right? And it never panned out. His career high was at 13 points, and that was back in 2017. With the Hawks and uh, with the Hawks in 2020, um, when he played four games, a point, and he shot eight percent from the field. Um, but go more recent to 2019, when he played 51 games, 24 minutes, right, seven points. But to me, that's really bad when you're spanning over. Uh, 24 to 30 uh, minutes per game, and you're not cracking over 15 uh, per game, right? Maybe it's not, but the thing is here, when you look at the 2017 to 2019 bowls, he should have been able to be good because you just had Lauren Markin and Zach Levine, and then, of course, you had Kobe White come in at the departing stages of his 
uh, tenure with the Chicago Bulls. So it's like one of those things like you should be able to thrive, but then again, not. Chris Dunn was supposed to be good. He just turned out to be a real bust, especially for being a fifth pick in the 2016 NBA draft. So when you're looking at that, you're just like, okay, um, what are we doing, guys? Um, we just drafted him, and he was supposed to be good, the fifth overall pick. That was supposed to be, he was supposed to be a top 10 guy, secured in number five, right? But it just never panned out to be that way. And it refers back, it defaults back to James Ennis, not healthy and maybe not as consistent. I would actually take James Ennis over Chris Dunn. To me, James Ennis is more, is better than uh, Chris Dunn. I don't know. That's just my opinion. But looking at everything, looking at the backcourt and whatnot, the backcourt's pretty solid. Because you have Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, right? You got Payne Pritchard backing up Marcus Smart. And then you have Aaron Nesmith backing up... um, uh, uh, Jalen, uh, Jalen Brown. I don't know why it's really hard just to speak today, so I do apologize for that. But you get where I'm going at. They got some good depth there. They got great stars there. So it's not like they're hurting for the backcourt to improve. Pam Pritchard's good, and so is Nesmith. They're good backups, so I wouldn't need to say, you know what, we need to get Chris Dunn here stat. So, if you're going to trade Chris Dunn, you're going to get a second rounder after him. One second rounder. Or, you're just going to release him or just keep him, right? You have three options. So, 33.3% chance can say, look, this is what we're going to have to do. So, yeah, it's going to be one of those three options, right? So, would you trade him? And who would be interested? Because, it's like, everybody knows the value Chris Dunn. That is without question. But now it comes a matter of, okay, what do we do here? Do we ask for a second rounder? Or do we really want to get somebody back that's really bad? If I'm a team and you think that you're going to be able to use him as a body or try to develop him in a different way, try to change him up a little bit to how different from how the other teams were doing with him, uh, using him, I think a second rounder is all you give him. An unprotected second rounder. That's pretty much how I'm looking at it. If you give him an unprotected second rounder, okay, I'm good. We can do that all day. I want to see why not. Right, I, I want to. I want you guys to make sure that makes sense because like where I'm at, because I don't value James Anderson, Chris Dunn over a first round pick. I value him as a second rounder. Unprotected. James Ennis could be protected, a late protected second rounder, to where uh, Chris Dunn is a late second rounder unprotected, right? You would never give up a lottery draft pick for him, just would never, right? Uh, Giving up a lottery draft pick, a guy would have to be really good and really valued within the NBA market, right? That's how you're pretty much looking at it. That's how I'm looking at it. Now... Going over on some more positive news. This is great for the Clippers. And this is almost like a Chris Paul uh, scenario, right? So Kawhi Leonard and the Clippers have come to agreement on a four-year, $176 million contract. 
So now he declined his par option. We all want him to go back to LA because at least he can take. Um, we want him to take the option because at least he get the guaranteed money. But now it's like we always want to go back to LA because at least he has insurance there. At least he's already been there with an organization. At least everyone knows what he's going to be. And we already know he's not going to be ready for the start of the season with his torn ACL. Right? Because of how deep they were in the playoffs and when when that injury occurred. But we all want him to go with back to the Clippers, whether on that player option or not. I would have liked him to take the guaranteed money. But to crank out a four-year, $176 million contract, also really, really good. But it reminds me of like a Chris Paul situation. When Chris Paul turned down his power option... And instead of working off one-year deals, like how Kawhi Leonard was staging it, he got a four-year deal, like Chris Paul. The money's, the money's huge. The money is a $56 million difference if I'm adding it up. And we don't know what bonuses are, incentives are. So it's going to be really funny, really see what's happening, right? Like, we're going to see what the incentives are for winning an award, whether that be MVP or not, winning the NBA Finals MVP, or winning a championship with LA, right? But yeah, it kind of reminded me of that Chris Paul scenario. I don't know. It's just like you decline your power option, similarity. And you sign a four-year contract, similarity. And you get big money, similarity. And how old is Kawhi Leonard? I want to say Kawhi Leonard is like 32, 34 years old. He's 30 years old. I was way off. Yeah, he's 30 years old. That's going to take him into when he's 34. So that's huge. This huge advantage for the Clippers because now they get to have him for another four years. Um, And that's like riding on the fact that he's honoring his contract. So you're going to have him for 2024 until he's going to be another free agent, right? That's going to be really, really interesting to see. But, I don't know. I believe the Clippers will have to give another piece or just get very, very lucky again in the postseason. Because Paul George, to me, hit his, uh, hit a good spot when he's in the postseason and it rallied more. Now, if you had Kawhi Leonard and everyone healthy, like Ivan Zubak, and Ivan Zubak's worthless, right? But still, going by health purposes, you're like, oh, wait a minute. Could that be more of a challenge for the Phoenix Suns? Because the Suns had a difficult time trying to put a non-Kawhi Leonard team away. Imagine if they were able to complete the comeback with Kawhi Leonard. That would have been something very, very interesting. Right, because then we could have seen Hawks, um, Clippers or Bucks Clippers, which would have been very interesting to see, but that did not work it out that way. Now, um, whether I can see him winning a championship within those for, uh, within those next four years of being under contract, I don't. I don't think so. I don't think they're going to win a championship in those four years. To be honest, I think they're going to go to the playoffs a bunch of times, like maybe seventy five percent of the time. I don't think a championship. I just think that the NBA is just getting way too stacked. And we're bringing back the ideas of big freeze and just having big markets signing everyone. So to me, 
that's not going to be a reality until I see another player be going in there. Like, being in uh, L.A. and going to the L.A. Clippers opposed to the L.A. Lakers, right? But with all that being said, there's another player that wants to get paid. But it's not because of the money. He actually likes his city. And that would be Colin Sexton. So if all the draft rumors going on about, oh, the Cavs are going to get Jalen Suggs. Oh, they're going to get Jalen, right? They're going to trade away Colin Sexton. Then it got more shaping into, well, wait a minute. We got Evan Mobley. Evan Mobley's going to be great for the Cavs. That's who you want to have. Seven footer, okay. So then Evan Mobley got selected in. But everybody still wondering what's going to happen to Colin Sexton. So they didn't get Jalen Suggs. They didn't get Jalen Or the other Jalen. I forgot the other Jalen. Dang it. That's okay. But now you're like, whoa, what's happening here? What's going to happen to Colin Sexton? That's your main point guard. But now Colin Sexton wants to stay in Cleveland as the two sides could be advancing in contract extension talks very soon. And there are reports coming out, like rumors coming out that we should be expecting uh, contract talks to be happening within the next weeks or so. So, by that very rumor, that would be a huge win for the Cavaliers. Because I've been an advocate for Colin Sexton staying because he's a good point guard, a developing point guard, and a more proven point guard than Jalen Suggs that they're looking at, right? So, when comparing Colin and uh, Jalen, it's like Sexton is the better option, in my opinion, because he's more proven. He's a, he's just having better, he's like having better stats. He's like having a better, uh, I don't know, I don't know how to put it. Like he's having um better traits, better qualities than Jalen. And you really cannot compare that from a college player to a seasoned player, right? Who spent many a uh, few years in the NBA now, I believe, it's like three or four, right? And even though he's with the Cavaliers, he's still had huge minutes, right? He still had some huge publicity, right? So it's like, okay, so to me, I want that deal to get done. To me, I want that deal to be sealed. Um, if it, it, I would be really shocked if that does not happen, but I would never doubt it now, right? So with all that being said, that's pretty cool. Now you have Evan Mobley, Kevin, uh, Kevin Love, uh, Darius Garlander, Garland, or and Colin Sexton, whoever else they have on that team. That's going to be a huge rebuild. But if they're able to get back their main point guard, able to keep their backup point guard, um, able to have a great rookie that can pan out within the NBA, and the aging Kevin Love that really should be gone, that's not going to be bad. So I'm not saying they're going to be a puff team. I'm not going to be playing tournament team. I'm just saying they're making tiny advancements after losing Kyrie Irving and LeBron James a few years ago, right? Now, for the last piece of breaking news, we have Kevin Herter and the Atlanta Hawks. Um, reports have been coming out that they're ready, that they are going to be discussing... Um, contract extensions next week. However, this was a huge however, a huge second part. If they cannot come to a deal, 
um, next week or in whenever the contract extensions talks end, then Herder will be a restricted free agent and come 2022, which will be next NBA offseason. So the Hawks are not in pressure mode to try to get them extended now. They could do that next season, but it would be more ideal. And Kevin Herder is one of those players that you like to have around your roster who makes good shots and good moments, who's there defensively and offensively, and has been there in some really good playoff situations before they were booted by the Milwaukee Bucks. So to have him being built around Trey Young, that's actually not really bad because you have Herter, Bodanovich, Young, Capella, all these different guys, I take that all day. So to me, and that's gonna be something. That's gonna be something really interesting to be looking at and really observing when that contract comes out, if it does this uh this off season within these next few weeks. But if they're starting talks next week, okay, I want to see what we can do with this because I believe Kevin Herter is one of those players that not everyone's gonna be looking to, uh, like the media and whatnot. But that organization's like, we gotta lock him up. He's a good player. Don't don't let anybody fool you. He's a good shooter. He will make you eat some really, really good shots taken by him, and he'll make you pay for everything. So, yeah, I'm I'm excited for that one. Now, to get to the biggest one we were talking about, the biggest topic, none of the breaking news will will be topping what we're talking about right now. And what did the offseason teach us about the Phoenix Suns? And the Los Angeles Lakers. I'm going to start the Los Angeles Lakers first. Because I believe they are the most interesting. Interesting team. They did not win free agency. Nor did the Phoenix Suns. But to start out with those two. About what this offseason taught us. Can shape the postseason. And the NBA Finals. Moving into the next regular season. Come in three months. Come around October. 10th, I believe. Okay. The run through everyone. And this is the entire postseason. Now, for the sake of this thing, I'm gonna leave out the I'm gonna leave out the draft because I think it'll be too hard to assess these guys now unless they're seasoned, unless they had a season under their belt. So I'm gonna leave out the draft, but I'm gonna talk about frequency. I'm gonna talk about re-signing, signings, and trades, right? So the Los Angeles Lakers signed, traded for, or re-signed these guys. Ken Bazemore, Carmelo Anthony, Wayne Ellington, Kendrick Nunn, Malik Monk, Dwight Howard, Trevor Reza, and then Russell Westbrook. However, they did lose three players, and that was Kyle Kuzma, uh, uh, KCP, and then uh, uh, Alex Caruso. So look at everything. Let's look at it. Look, they have majority of the roster over the age of twenty eight, over the age of twenty nine. Right? They're all in their thirties. Right? They are within the ages of thirty to thirty eight, and that's not an exaggeration. Was that their was that their intent to go all in on veteran guys? 
it, it brings some interesting, interesting, uh, uh, what do you call them? Like hypotheticals. Because you could bring back comparisons about the Bulls, the 96 Bulls, the 95 Bulls, the 97 Bulls, when they had Jordan, Pippen, and Rodman just taking those three players all in their 30s. Aren't the um, aren't the Lakers in essence doing the same? And I'm not comparing the two because the '96 Bulls would take out. You could take back the 2020 champions of the Lakers, or even now. All I'm saying is this: they are signing players over the age of 30 for this one reason: experience of what a championship feels like, experience of what it feels like to play an entire two season, experience to try to get back into the postseason. And just having hungry guys that wants to try to prove himself. And what better way to do it than not to, um, than be around the Los Angeles Lakers' own star, uh, LeBron James. Because a few guys on this list I just read off were good friends with LeBron James. So chemistry matters. They brought back Dwight Howard after a season when he left from the Lakers to go back to to go to Philly to come back to the Lakers. Trevor Reza came back to Lakers when the Lakers won two thousand eight championship. Now had Kobe Bryant and whatnot. I believe that was against the Boston Celtics. Come on, Anthony. They they are good friends. They've never put on the same team, but they have crossed paths before. And Carmelo's interesting because his career got reinvented, rejuvenated by. Going with Portland, staying there for about two seasons, two to three seasons, then coming back and trying to win a championship. Kent Bazemore is interesting. He, to me, I'm going to look up Kent Bazemore real quick. Kent Bazemore. Okay, why do I, okay, why is he staying for? He's not a bad backup. He is a shooting guard and or a small forward. Given that nature, he's been in the league since 2012. He's played on multiple teams, but he is a good backup to where he can average you about eight points per game off of free rebounds. He is a good small forward. And like I said, something that um, Isaiah could come in with the guard position, but small forward could be James Ennis. But you have uh, Ken Bazemore. So don't forget about that. And then Wayne Ellington, he's a bench player. Kendrick Nunn's an interesting guy. I'm looking at him real quick. But why would he be interesting? He's twenty. He's only 26 years old. Majority guys, yes, are over the age of 30, but Kendrick Nunn's not. He's significant. Last season for Miami, he averaged 14 points on 48% shooting. He averaged career-high numbers in rebounds and field goal percentages in minutes played. He was only, he was only off by a point um, in points per game on average. Insist uh, he was off by seven by point seven, right? However, However, when looking at this, he's going into his fourth year. He's only 26 years old, and he's a 
point guard, shooting guard. So he's going to back up. But he can switch in and out of Carmelo Anthony. And he played 29 minutes. And he and, he and Carmelo can share that. There's no way he's going to share that with LeBron. But he can share that with Carmelo Anthony. He can share that with um, Anthony Davis. So that's also something interesting. This is a guy that's been scoring 15 points on average per game. Then you come down to Dwight Howard. He's a big man. He's a big man that'll do the dirty work. He's a big man that'll be physical. He's a big man that's been there with LeBron, that's been there with a younger team, that's been there with an older team, but he's won, cha- he's won a championship. He's tasted what victory looked like, but he's also tasted what losing feels like. He's commanded teams on his own. He's also fallen in line with teams and their star players. He has built around LeBron James' system, and he's come back. Trevor Reza, he's a bench player, but he's also a veteran presence to where he can give you some solid minutes off the bench. He's won a championship before. He's been on the brightest stage of them all, and they're just adding experience. Let Make no mistake, the Los Angeles Lakers are not just picking older guys to pick. They're not picking everyone off the free agency market, off the NBA market, because they feel like it. No, there is a strategy behind this. Carmel Anthony. Carmel Anthony is a good veteran because he knows what it's like to fight. And he knows what it's like to be um, in these tight situations, in these uncomfortable situations. He knows how to give out of them. And then you have Dwight Howard. He's been through it all. He knows how to be a big man. He knows how to be aggressive on and off the ball. He knows how to set screens. He knows how to slash to the basket and score or to block or to rebound. Trevor Ariza, he was with the Lakers before. Um, he had an entire path come back to the Lakers, right? But he knows how to get down, get down there and be dirty. He has court awareness. He has that IQ. Then when you break down Russell Westbrook, and I was getting back to him, he's a point guard. Russell Westbrook is a stat stuffer, yes. But why did the but why did the Lakers decide to pull out from the Buddy Hill trade to get him a shooting guard, get him another shooting guard, get him another shooter, right? To go in and get a point guard. Well simple. When you look at it, Russell Westbrook can rebound. He has the physicality. He has the mental awareness and toughness. He can shoot the ball. He's an amazing passer. You you couldn't really get that out of Alex Crusoe for the money that he wanted. KCP was mainly just a shooter, a spot shooter. And Kyle Kuzma is a bust and should never been in the NBA in the first place. And the reason why he's a laughing stock is pretty much because of his play. So it's like when you break that down, that's why they pulled out the Buddy Hill trade. Because they knew that uh, Russell Westbrook, he could pass. Russell Westbrook, he can shoot. Russell Westbrook, he can rebound. Why would you need Kyle Kuzma? Why would you need KCP? Why would you need Alex Caruso? And here's the same people can say, well, Russell Westbrook, um, ego's going to get in the way. He wants every single rebound. He wants every single statistic. He wants to be that player, being the ball hawk. Look, and same we go for Kamai Anthony. Any player that's ever come within contact of LeBron James has fallen in line of LeBron James. Whether you hate the man or not, when it comes 
when it comes time to say um, that it's time to put your head down and go, uh, LeBron James will force guys to get nine if not um, comp- uh, compliant. Why? Because LeBron James has been there, done that. He's been with really bad teams like the first tenure he was with the Cavaliers. Then he got slightly better the second time with the Cavaliers. Then he had great teams around uh, with the Miami Heat, with Chris Bosh, with uh, Ray Allen, with Dwayne Wade, right? But here's also another thing. LeBron knows when, when he needs to step up or when other guys need to step up. And he'll be the alpha. In that locker room, he'll because everybody knows his presence. Everybody trusts him. Everybody knows what he needs to do, and it's just and that's make no mistake. So Russell Westbrook's not gonna act out of line to where he's gonna be forcing guys to shoot it all the time or force guys to have to pass all the time. He's they're not gonna play ball hog. That's not LeBron James at ten. LeBron James, one of these players. Why? Because they both all these players have different skill sets that can contribute to this L.A. team. Kent Bazemore, Wayne Ellington, um, Kendrick Nunn, Malik Monk, Trevor Ariza. They can all play on the bench, but have good starting minutes. Kendrick Nunn, and Malik Monk, and Dwight Howard, those are going to have starting minutes. Minutes that have 15 to 20 minutes. 20-minute games. So make no mistake, even though you're on the bench, you will get 15-minute games. I believe Mello, Non, and Mug all deserve playing 15 minutes a game. I I believe Trevor Reza can play 10 minutes a game. I believe Wayne Ellington can play 8 to 10 minutes a game. I believe Bazemore can play uh, 5 to 10 minutes a game. So by everybody saying they're building an old roster... I'll bash them on that till it comes home. But wait a minute. You just took a, you just took an entire you took one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight guys. And you just got them to do all these different things. And they're being molded into one. You have guys that are great shot blockers, guys that are great rebounders, guys that are great shooters, guys that can hustle, guys that can set the court, set the pace of the game into their favor, to their advantage, have guys with the abilities to pick and roll, to set screens, to draw plays, to be a maestro in the court. So when you lose KCP, Kyle Kuzma, and Alex Crusoe, why pay them all when you could just trade them all away? Um, two of them were traded for Russell Westbrook. They let Crusoe walk. They re-signed THT. Talhorn Tucker. There's a reason why they did that. So, yes, they're going back into this older mentality. But older teams can win it. And they all have fight. And that's why they're doing it. It's a design. It's a strategy. And it's one, if everyone's healthy and executes the way they should, would work. Because we all know LeBron. We all know Anthony Davis are going to bring it. But now these guys just need to fall in line. And LeBron will make sure. LeBron is not the type of player like MJ was, where he's going to command the ball and say, this is how it's going to go. LeBron's going to say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take my shots when I need to. But this is how it's going to go. And if it's not going to go that way, then we have some serious problems.
that's LeBron. He, he can be aggressive if he wants to. He can bring the physicality. He can bring the mental toughness. But he also knows how to bring chemistry. And especially when guys that he knows, guys that he's uh, shared locker rooms with, shared uh, uh, different locker rooms with, whether that was teams, all-stars, or different things like that. But all these guys are going to be great, especially Malik Monk. That's why they got him from Charlotte. Uh, Kendrick Nunn. That's why he got him out of where he was. That's why they got all these guys. So when you look at the guys that they got and the guys that they lost, you're like, why you give up the younger talent? KCP's a spot shooter. Alex Caruso has good skills, but I'd rather have uh, Russell Westbrook or Kamal Anthony. Uh, Kyle Kuzma, he's a bust. I want him out of the league, right? No one cares for him. The only reason why they cared for him is because he was hanging around the Lakers' owner. Pretty much. And the fact that LeBron just put up with him, right? So it's like one of those things. Like when you're looking at what the Los Angeles Lakers got, which is majority of guys are older guys, but when you break it down, some of those guys are really good young guys and they still got all in the tank. So it's all being molded into one where they're giving energy, when they're giving patience, when they're setting pace, setting tone, setting. And just setting these different motions in a game, directing it. That to me is really significant. Um, that's where I'm driving at. That's where I'm getting at. Honestly, because the 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 um, Lakers know that. Look, we don't have many years left with AD and LeBron, special LeBron. He's getting older. AD's just glass. He'll break. If you touch him, he'll shatter. So why not go out there, get the guys that you know are proven, get the fighters, and let's go into battle. Because LeBron was shown that got with a team of younger players, do not cut it. It just didn't. Because they did not execute the way LeBron wanted them to. Did not execute the way that the Lakers wanted to. Did not execute the way the game wanted them to. So it's like one of those things like, you look at it, you say, ooh, they're all older guys. They're going to be all bust. The Lakers are going to go back into their 2015 mode. I'm like, no, 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 no. Their 2015 mode was last year with injuries, then with setbacks, then with younger guys not cooperating, not being good enough. I take this roster over uh, last year's roster. That's just me being truthful because – we all know what they have. It's a melting pot. It's a melting pot of guys being molded into one giant super um, team. It's not a super team how about he thinks it should be, but it's a guy with all these collective skills being molded into this huge entity of power. It's pretty much what it is. It's not a traditional super team, and it's not a super team. It's not below super team, but it is a... But it's a team with collective skill, collective attributes, and something that can contribute to the uh, to the Los Angeles Lakers roster, whether that be your first unit, second unit, or third unit. Period. Period. That, to me, is what I saw with the Lakers. That's what, to me, the offseason, what the offseason... Um, showed to me, and they're not done yet. If they're still going to get Isaiah Thomas, if they're still going to try to get James Ennis, who, one out of two of those guys are good. 
and then you're looking at all these different guys, you have to say to yourself, okay, what else can we do? What else can we do to make ourselves better? You can't be an eighth seed again. You still have that kind of time. You can't go back into the playing tournament. So you have to get within a seventh seed or or going seventh seed and going down, right? You want to get between. To me, when looking at this roster, Curling, if that's it, no more moves, I say they're within the fifth and seventh seed. Make a few more moves, depending if it's good or not, they could go down a few. So, to me, that is going to be really interesting to see and something that should be really paid attention to. Because the Lakers don't make moves. Franchises don't make moves that they don't think they can win on. And when you have signed eight guys and traded for, right, that are accounted for, it's like, okay, what can we do with that? And while the media, while everybody may be like, okay, we're going to bash on that, or okay, we're going to celebrate that, the franchise know what, knows what they're doing. LeBron knows what he's doing. He went, Why do you say they pulled out a Buddy Heel trade? And they don't want somebody younger. They wanted a better passer. Buddy Heel's not a passer. Buddy, he, Bill, Buddy Heel has a huge ego. LeBron won't deal with that. But LeBron will deal with what Russell Westbrook's ego. There's a difference. There's a different mindset mentality when you have a bunch of older guys and a bunch of younger guys. There just is. And I believe the older guys will win un- over the uh, younger guys. And that's just me being real. Okay, moving on to our second team, the Phoenix Suns. We all know what he did. They went to the NBA Finals. They went to the postseason for the first time in 11 years. They, it's been a decade. It's been hardships, it's been frustrations, there's been successes, there's been failures. They've been up and they've been down. Point blank simple, right? However, what did the offseason teach us about the Phoenix Suns? The Chicago Bulls improved. Um, the Pelicans added and subtracted. The Lakers added and subtracted. Teams are changing. Philadelphia Eagles, I'm sorry, not the Eagles, uh, Philadelphia 76ers are molding or changing or sculpting themselves. They are, teams are figuring themselves out. Teams are signing players. Teams are doing things. But what did the offseason teach us about the Phoenix Suns? And there is more to be known about the Phoenix Suns in the grand scheme of things when we're talking about the uh, regular season that's going to be happening in three months. But why should that concern us? Why should that concern us? The Phoenix Suns, for one, play in the toughest conference. The Western Conference. And let me refresh your guys' memory on where we stand with the Phoenix organization. They have the Utah Jazz. They're going to be better. Oh, they're going to be better. Rudy Gobert healthy and Donovan Mitchell's ankle being better. Then with Mike Connelly, right? Then you have the Denver Nuggets. With Nikhil Jokic, Jamal Murray coming back from a torn ACL. He torn during the last 52 or 59 seconds remaining in the uh, Warriors game down in Golden State, right? Then you have the Clippers. Uh, Kawhi came back. They're going to be healthier. Then you have Mavericks. They're going to be a potential threat. And then you have the Blazers, whatever they're doing. Then you have the Lakers. Then you have the Warriors. The main teams we all should be concerned about, whether you are a Phoenix Suns fan or not, are the Utah Jazz, the Nuggets, the Lakers, and the Warriors. Point blank and simple. 
It's when you uh, whether you're looking at this on a team, you're saying even if they have some injuries. To me, the, if the Suns were going to make a run for the championship, in which they did, they took advantage of the situation. The situation was this: injuries plagued teams, condensed schedules plagued teams. Whether we are accounting for COVID nineteen or injuries such as knee injuries, wrist injuries, or any injuries of the sort. The Nuggets were not fully healthy. They did not have Jamal Murray when we played them. The Clippers were down without Kawhi Leonard in the postseason. Injuries during that condensed season, condensed season, killed teams. The Warriors were down without Klay Thompson and injuries and COVID got them. James Wiseman was down due to an injury. Now, wait a minute. That could change the entire complex. When we see the Memphis Grizzlies, all due respect to that organization, should not have been able to beat the Warriors. But here's the thing. Steve Kerr's a fraud as a head coach and could not coach up his players just because they were down two pieces, two to three pieces, right? The Trailblazers, to me, are not going to be something. They're just not. They're not going to be a huge threat. But the Jazz are with a healthy Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, Mike Connolly. That's going to be interesting. That's going to be interesting. But then when you add in the mix of Jordan Clarkson, the sixth man of the year, Bodon Donovich, uh, Joe Ingles, Rudy Gay. Come on. Eric Pascal. Oh, you're hurting. You're wishing for a death wish. But let's just say, look, that's just the Western Conference. And this gets more fierce and competitive for the Phoenix Suns. Let's say they go to the playoffs. But wait a minute. You have an entire 82-game season. You have to have series against all uh, all the other 29 NBA teams. And we have the Nets, the Bucks, the Knicks, the Hawks, the Heat. My goodness, the, the, the Heat added, they added calorie, they added talent. The Knicks added talent. The Nets are growing stronger past injuries. The Bucks are stronger than ever. The Hornets are growing. The Celtics are getting there. So look at the entire 82 game season. How do we fare? How do the Phoenix Suns fare against the entire NBA the league? How do we look at the other 29 teams? Well, go past the Puffs. Puffs, we just have to worry about the Western Conference until we get to the NBA Finals. If we get to the NBA Finals. Because if we get to the NBA Finals, then we could be going up against the Nets, Bucks, Knicks, 76ers, Hawks, Heat, Wizards, Pacers, etc., etc. But how do we fare against all of them? What did we do? What did the offseason teach us about the Phoenix Suns? And it was this. I'm going to pull up everything. The Suns signed, traded, or re-signed these players. The following players are Chris Paul, Cameron Payne, JaVale McGee, Landry Shaman, Abdel Nadir, and Frank Tank Kaminsky. They lost Tory Craig. Guys. I'm, I'm, I'm one of the most passionate Phoenix Suns fans. But wait a minute. Uh, we, we got, we signed our, so here's the positives. 
Here's the downright positives. We've signed, we've re-signed our main point guard, which is Chris Paul, significant. I can't tell you how much that's, that, that, that helps. And then we have re-signed Karen Payne, significant. I can't tell you how much we need a backup point guard. And Karen Payne took the free years $18 million, which allows us to develop it more and use it more. In the in better situations, when not. Javel McGee is a great signing by the Phoenix Suns because he'll be the backup uh, center to uh, DeAndre Ayn, right? Landry Shaman, I really didn't like how we traded from. I wish we would have used our draft pick that we traded him for um, on someone else. We traded away Javon Carter, right? Uh, Abdel Nadir, he's not bad. He dealt with knee injuries, knee surgery, right? Played a limited game, limited games, but when he was in the postseason, he was okay. And then Frank Tank, he's a third, he's a third string center. He's played games and he didn't, right? Look, um, I, I can't sugarcoat this um, season. The Phoenix Suns did what they needed to do. They have the players. But what did they add? So looking at the Lakers, they added eight new players. The Phoenix Suns added two new players, which was um, JaVale McGee and Lance Shaman. Guys, I have I have tons of confidence in the world that we can make a pack to the postseason, that we could be an AFC team, that we'll have to fight for the playing tournament. I 100% agree with that. I 100% agree that the Phoenix Suns are still dominant. That they could still be a great team, especially with Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and DeAndre Jane. However, we only added two new players, and that's Landry Shaman and JaVale McGee. Shaman's a bust. The only reason why we got Shaman is because of Monty Williams and what we potentially could do with him. And then JaVale McGee was a good signing back of DeAndre Ayn, which he'll go to length to block shots and whatnot. So I'm, I'm really happy about that. So I'm happy we signed JaVale McGee. I'm never going to turn down that signing. That was a good signing. But when I'm looking at every single one, but when I'm looking at everything, I'm like, this is going to be tough. It's going to be tough because how do we match? If we, could, if we can't beat the Bucs, I guess on the biggest stage of them all, the NBA Finals. 2021 NBA Finals. But if we can't fare against the Bucks and we struggle, if we struggle against a non-Kawhi Leonard uh, Clippers team, how are we going to fare in the regular season when fans are back, when we're turning normalcy? We have problems. But I believe we can rectify those problems. I believe we can fix those problems. Because every problem can be fixable unless injuries occur. And when injuries occur, things go bad, but I don't believe injuries are going to occur. So I'm not going to say that. That would be foolish for me to say because we're three months out. It's not like anybody's going to get hurt in training camp, you wouldn't think. Now, do I believe that we should have done more? But once we re-signed Chris Paul and Cameron Payne, those were the two biggest needs. We had to. If we couldn't do that, then we would really be looking at us differently. We would be looking at it funny. To me, are you ready? I believe the Phoenix Suns, for what we were taught in the postseason or in the offseason, is that when looking at everything, we signed JaVale McGee, and that was our biggest signing. I'm taking out all the re signs. I'm taking out all the re signings. 
But looking between JaVale McGee and Landry Shamrock, two new faces in the Valley. Landry Shamrock's a bust. I don't like him one bit. But I do like JaVale McGee. That's not me being hypercritical or hypersensitive uh, uh, to these issues. But I don't believe Landry Shamrock's better than Javon Carter. I know Landry Shamrock's Monty Williams' boy. I know that's why we got him. However, JaVale McGee, to me, is going to be turning out much more better than Landry Shamrock. But what this, put, uh, what this offseason t- uh, taught us is that the Phoenix Suns are going to have to fight like they never fought before just to make it within the eighth seed. And I'm hoping I'm wrong. I want them to get back into the second seed. But when looking at everything, injuries did help. Injuries did help the Suns. But the Suns, we cannot take away their accomplishments, though. The Suns did what they did because they were good. They were a great basketball team. They played as one. They were not ball hawks. They shared the court. They shared the rock. Right? They did things the traditional way, the right way, the fundamental way. And those were all significant, important things to do, right? So we should now we should never undermine that. All I'm saying is that oh, if all these teams, let's say all these teams are healthy, all their star players, the bench players, the role players, the everyone healthy. What 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 would the Suns have to do? We'll have to fight harder. We'll have to smarter. We'll have to fight smarter. We just have to do things a different way. I don't believe this is game over for the Phoenix Suns. And anybody that's telling you it's game over for the Phoenix Suns is either a Phoenix Suns hater or just a legitimate idiot that does not have an IQ over 12. That is pretty much what it comes down to. I believe the Phoenix Suns looking right now with this squad, with all the teams healthy, whether or not the teams are healthy or not, that does not mean anything right now to me. It does. But now I'm also looking at this. I believe we could be a sixth seed or eighth seed, something in that range. We're either going to be in the playing tournament eighth seed or in the concrete playoffs at sixth seed. That is huge. That is huge. But that's what the postseason talked to me, talked to us, talked to pretty much anyone, and those are significant. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna undermine it. Those are significant. We made good signings, but what everything I just said, everything that I just spoke out of my mouth is a concern and is a reality. But is it so much concern to where we fall on our knees, fall on our fakes? No, I believe we're going to be 6th to 8th seed team. Look at everything right now, pen to paper. I believe so. I believe so. We locked up everyone we need to. We don't have to worry about DeAndre for right now. De- uh, Devin Booker's not going anywhere. We're here. We're here already. We're a playoff team. Are we an NBA Finals team again? I will not comment on that now because why would I need to? It would be foolish for me to say. It would be biased for me to say if they're, um, if they're going back to NBA Finals or not because there's no fact on that. There's no evidence on that because I need to see them playing a regular season. I need them playing preseason. I need to see how training camp goes. But the way the Phoenix Suns are doing right now, the Lakers, between these two teams, are better than the Phoenix Suns in signings that they did. I'm not saying they're a better team overall. I'll let you guys come to your own conclusions on that. But when looking at signings, my opinion is the Lakers did better signing and trading than we did. But with all that being said, I significantly believe, I wholeheartedly believe, that the Phoenix Suns 
will be a playoff team. I'm not going to underestimate them. I'm not going to doubt them unless something significant comes up in the regular season. But I believe we'll be above 500 team. I believe we will hit 40 wins again. I'm sorry, no. I believe we're going to hit 50 wins. I forgot this is not, um, this is going to be a fully two season game or a season. Oh, 82 game season. But yeah, I- I'm excited. I'm excited. And I-, I hope I broke this down in a way that it made sense because I believe, in all intents and purposes, this is what. Both teams did. This is what the offseason taught us. But the offseason is not over yet. We have three more months of offseason. Then, of course, you have train camp, blah, 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 all those different things. I'm just saying signings can still happen. Resignings can still happen. Um, trades can still happen. Moves can be made on either side with all of the uh, 828 teams, right? But looking at that, but looking at everything, that is all I have to say. And that's, I think... We've, I think I've covered a lot of bad points. I think I brought up a lot of good points, right? But now it's just got to be executed properly by both teams, right? But that's what the offseason told us. We'll keep you guys updated on all these things. We'll be back here with another podcast Monday morning. We will be here. We'll bring another two teams about, about what, what, we, what we learned about in the offseason for those two teams, about what they did, and how that can benefit them. Well, guys, um, that was pretty much all. That's all the breaking news. That's all, I'm gonna, that's all we can say about the topic so far. We've covered everything. Remember, you can find us on courtsofheat.com. You can find us on courtsofheat.medium.com. You can find us on twitter.com slash courtsofheat, instagram.com slash courtsofheatnba, facebook.com slash courtsofheat, tumblr.com slash courtsofheat. Remember, you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, and even Google Podcast. Whether you have an Android, you download the app, or you have an iPhone, and you just do it that way. It's been, it's been a good podcast, and I'll see you guys again after the weekend break. We'll be back here for another podcast episode.